Thank you. Can you, uh, can you all hear me? Testing. One, two, three. Well, we're all in mourning. We'll have to go over the uh, Cincinnati game right now a little bit, I think. Uh, I would have worn my jersey, but I gave my last one to Peter, so he's, I don't have a jersey anymore. He demanded my jersey. I'm only, I'm only kidding. It looks good on you. And I wanted to uh, bring a football because last time I was up here speaking, I actually got to teach Peter how to throw the football. Did I ask you to come up and, and throw? And uh, I was just going to one. I was wondering how how's it been going? Have you improved? <laughs> yes. So uh, we're going to have to do that again and see see how much you've improved. Well, the the Seattle. This is kind of a, a uh, interesting evening because uh, we're in a church. And we're going to talk about football. Uh, it's probably the thing that I, I like to talk most about. And I see that uh, everybody has their jerseys on and things of that nature. Saw the game today. Oh, uh, tomorrow, Pete always has uh, Tell the Truth Mondays, right? So they will be talking truth tomorrow to these young men and themselves. They're, they're flying back from Cincinnati tonight. And so what happens on a plane... Usually the coaches sit separately, then the, and the players all sit together, and the players somewhat are uh, quiet, but also just kind of getting on with life, basically. So they're talking, they're uh, uh, look, probably looking at their phones or movies, are doing what, whatever and eating, and then the coaches are agonizing. The coaches are sitting up uh, away from the players, and each one of those coaches likely has already uh, seen and graded the video, graded the game. And you, what, what you really do, and if I was the quarterback coach there, I would be grading uh, Russell. And I would take each play and I would give him uh, some sort of either uh, numbers or uh, S, minus, plus, and then I would come up with a grade uh, for his game, for his performance. So these are the things that they're going to be doing. I saw a lot of really good things today. Uh, Thomas Rawls was pretty awesome, 169 yards, a lot of carries, and uh, ran tough, ran like, uh, was he the beast mode? He was today. He was beast mode today. And uh, then I saw also the Cincinnati Bengals attack and uh, were very mean to Kerry Williams, he's number 26. Oh my gosh. Anywhere he was, they tried to throw the ball to whatever receiver he was covering. And uh, they got after him a little bit. So they're going to have to have an answer for that. Especially because the Seahawks love to play man coverage. And he kind of got in a little bit of a, a wicked mess there. What else? Why did they shape the football like they did? Uh, right at the end of the game, did you see the kick at the end of the game? The kicker's going to miss it. He slipped a little bit. I don't know if you noticed that. His foot slipped a little bit, and when he kicked it, he pulled it a little bit. The ball was going, if you didn't see the game, the ball was going towards the left upright. Right before the top of the left upright, the football goes, boink, and it hits the upright. And I'm thinking he missed it. But the football's in such a weird shape when it hit it, it hit it like as it came through, it hit it like this, and then when, as it was going down, it went down in. 
Isn't that weird? So had it gone just a half a revolution, it might have hit it and then bounced back. It very easily could have bounced back. Is that unbelievable? I, I just, you know, does God care? Mm. Probably not. Probably not. There are things that he does care about, though. Uh, this year is a big uh, Seahawks celebration, and uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, or, or were at the Chicago Bears game, the very first uh, opener for the Seahawks at home. Uh, they had a 40th year celebration. Can you imagine 40 years with the Seattle Seahawks? And we had these uh, players. Now, this is just a portion of them. We had about 80-plus players come to that game, and we took a picture. Uh, all old guys, right? Um, I, was, uh, I wasn't lying about the jersey. That's actually a, a new school jersey, and I don't look as good in those, those jerseys, so I don't wear that jersey much. But the thing that I had to laugh about in this picture is they put our, our young when we played picture up, and then they showed the guy walking up, and, and you couldn't tell that it was that guy. Uh, was that really him? You know, we, we look like a... You know, we look like the Seahawks look today, basically. And uh, the young uh, woman on the left is uh, Rhonda Brown. Her husband uh, is in the Ring of Honor. And I wore this uh, coat, uh, the Ring of Honor coat. Okay, so I'm all done with that now. Um, but uh, he's in the Ring of Honor, and he's no longer with us. He died when he was 52 uh, of a heart attack. And you know what? He was playing basketball with his son, and uh, he, his, uh, his brothers all passed when they were in their 40s. They had a, uh, some sort of heart issue, and he didn't, uh, uh, he, didn't, he didn't make it past 52, but Rhonda comes in his, uh, in his place, and uh, you know, we get to really kind of hug her up because she's, you know, she's still um, really, even today, mourning her husband's death. I see a 38 jersey back there. Max Strong, right? Right on. Okay, I see that. Nice. He's, he was a good player too. Um, I see how many of these Seahawk players still identify themselves with the Seattle Seahawks. It's pretty incredible. And when you look around the entire uh, stadium, you see some great costumes. When you look around our congregation here, we see some Seahawk fans, we see a lot of jerseys. I see blue hair, which I think is pretty good. It's very bold. So we have blue hair back here, okay? Uh, I don't see any, any Seahawk makeup or costumes, but uh, when you go to the stadium, there certainly are a ton of those. People love to identify with the Seahawks. They did when we played way back when, 40 years ago, but... Uh, there was a little, maybe there's a little more conscientious, conscientious uh, look that people wanted, a little more civilized look, because something has gone wild now, as you've seen some of these costumes uh, in stadiums. Uh, I'm going to be Peter now, because uh, as I as I speak, I want to. I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to give you three words. You don't have to really write them down. Uh, 
this is probably not going to be a sermon that you're going to be able to uh, um, need to write. You might. We'll see. Anyway, here's my three words tonight that I'm going to be discussing. One, identify. Identify. And much like we've just been talking about, identifying ourselves with something. And then the second is insanity. Oh my gosh, what's that all about? And then the third thing is identity. Okay? Identify, insanity, and uh, identity. They say there's no I in team. That's true. But there is I, there is an I in win. (laughs) Fun fact. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about identify first. And uh, I've been involved with this game for, uh, you know, most of my life. I've been, I was the Seahawk quarterback 40 years ago. Hello, darling. And I know that many of you out there have no idea who in the world I am. All right. Uh, I always, it, now, I, now I like to... Uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, now I like to say that uh, if you think of Russell Wilson, you know, I, I scrambled and I was a quarterback for the Seahawks. Um, but I was a lot taller. Uh, Anyway, when I got married, I have drugged my wife, Joy, my mother-in-law, Jean, and my, uh, my youngest daughter is here as well, making sure I tell the truth. But also, they have been involved with football, and I've identified with football for all these years that uh, we've uh, been involved with our family. And uh, although... I identify, I, I'm identified with football. Uh, it really is something that I've done, right? It's, it's what I did. And even as a coach, it, it's what I did. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I guess today people would, uh, you know, kind of relate their, um, you know, what they think about me towards football, towards things that I've done. But my deep down identity is not about things that I've uh, done in, in football. It's really about something else, and I would say someone else. And I have to go back a little uh, to be able to tell this story about this someone. And, uh, well, I probably have to go back <laughs> really far, not just a little. Uh, because I want to talk about uh, starting out in high school. And here's my high school picture. Did fear, when I was across that line of scrimmage, lined up behind that center, do you think those guys across feared that right there? (laughs) I think I was, uh, uh, Joy asked me if I was a senior, uh, no, if I was a sophomore, I started when I was 15. I look 15, but I keep thinking that's my senior picture. Well, it's either my 15-year-old picture or 17-year-old picture. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you had to have a butch. Uh, And now that's kind of a cool haircut, but it wasn't back then. I had a girlfriend. She was the head cheerleader of uh, of the school. I'm the quarterback. 
letterman's jacket, walking around, feeling good about myself. My, my girlfriend came up to me one day, right out of the blue, and she said, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to break up with you. What? I'm the quarterback of the team. What do you mean? She said, I want to date a Christian boy. Okay, think about that. Look what she was giving up. Um, I couldn't believe it, really. And I'd say, hey, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. In fact, growing up, this was what I knew about Christianity. My mother told me, if anybody ever asks about uh, what religion you are, you tell them you're a Christian. Okay, I'll do that. And that was the extent of my Christian walk or my, my Christianity. I knew maybe a couple Bible verses. I knew that Christmas, <laughs> we got to celebrate, uh, you know, Santa Claus. And, oh yeah, there was a birth. I, I never really understood that. And, uh, and then Easter, we, we, got, we colored Easter eggs. And so I never understood really about this resurrection. I understood that if anybody ever asked me, if you would come up to me, and I was in high school, I would have said I was a Christian. And so I was upset because I thought it was good enough for me. Why wasn't it good enough for my girlfriend? And I devised a plan. And I tried to scheme. I tried to work out this curiosity and I was going to win her back. And so I started going to a club on campus called Campus Life Youth for Christ. And I was going to show her I was a Christian. And th- that club was on campus, and uh, it was much like Young Life is today. Uh, I think there's a strong Young Life presence here on the island. And uh, there's leaders there. You get to have fun and things like that. But there was a guy... And uh, his name was Don Hildebrand, and he was the leader of our group. And I remember going there, and I strategically sat myself right across from Kathy, and I was just, you know, sort of staring at her, trying to smile like a Christian, you know, is supposed to smile and stuff. <laughs> and it, it, every week I would go, I would go, and Don Hildebrand did something uh, really amazing. He opened, he would open up the Bible. And make it come alive with all the, all the topics, all these things that were in there I had never, ever thought about before in my life. And one of the things that happened, and I would tell you that I didn't learn this verse in high school, but I think it really, really reflects one of the uh, major... Um, uh, really, one of the major things that happened to me in at that time that I could I could speak about now was this uh, Bible verse that has to do with God identifying with us, and uh, uh, it was something that I was learning, but it wasn't expressed in those terms. And I want to read. You know, Peter right now is working on a series in in our uh, congregation here on Hebrews, and this verse is in Hebrews. 
And we read it the other night in our small group, and it kind of had an impact on me, and I wanted to read it. Uh, I'm reading it out of the message. I think we might even have it here. And it's Hebrews chapter 2. It's verse 17. And, and it says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. It's this, it's this Jesus Christ. He entered into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God, his father, as high priest, to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. So what I thought was so uh, interesting about this, this verse right here was he chose to relate to us, right? He identified with us, uh, and then he represented us before God, his father. Um, The thing that I was always nervous about uh, in this campus life group, learning more and more about really how God, uh, how Christ identified with us, was what I had to do. What did I have to do now? And uh, I do remember Don reading this one verse, and it's 2 Corinthians 5.17, and this brought, the f- this brought a lot of fear in me. And it said this, and I think we have it up there. Uh, uh, okay, so it says, this is the message. I'm going to read it from uh, the NIV, and it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Oh, my gosh. The old has gone, the new has come. Right? Anything that was old has passed away, and, that, and now the new is involved. Well, I kept thinking about what this what creature was, what Christianity was all about. And if I had to make a commitment to Christ and follow Jesus, then I was going to have to be a new creature. And I, you know, I, I saw some of the young people that were going to church on TV and stuff, you know, and all dressed in, you know, kind of weird clothes. And this was the hippie movement, right? When I was growing up, we were in flannels and T-shirts and beads. I had hippie beads. I did. I had hippie beads. And I wore T-shirts and everything, tie-dye stuff, bandanas. And I could imagine what a, uh, what a Christian young person was going to look like, this new creature, Bible study aids at high school. Uh, I was just going to not fit that well. I wasn't going to fit into that, let alone anything else I was trying to do. I wasn't fitting into much at all. So it made me nervous. But you know, Don was so... um, uh, He was patient, basically, is what he was. And what he did for me is he uh, brought um, brought me aside, and he kind of eased... What I, was, what I was worried about. He's, and it wasn't, what he said was, it wasn't so much about this creature that I was going to look, <laughs> that I was going to look like. He, what he was explaining was that God wanted me just the way I was. Flaws and everything. Hippie beads and everything. And that's why Jesus came here in the first place. To identify with us by his flesh and blood life and still desire that friendship or that relationship with you and I so we could uh, do better than just make it through life, that we could have freedom 
and we could have a relationship. And notice what I said there. It's a relationship, not religion. And I'd always thought that this Christianity, this following of Jesus was religion. And um, I haven't lived that way because I know uh, it's not. It's a relationship. Pretty cool. And there's a lot of freedom in Christ. And there's a lot of uh, Christ wanting us to be who we are, who he created us to be. And there's a lot of fun in that, good or bad. So uh, I didn't win my girlfriend back. She married the next guy she dated. But I married uh, an unbelievable lady, and I've been married 36 years uh, to Joy. We've got great girls and guys and stuff like that. Joy, you weren't, you're not the runner-up. <laughs> Joy's saying, hurry, come on, hurry, get done. Okay, so I became a follower of Christ. Now, I'm a Christian. I go to college to the powerhouse, Cal Poly Pomona. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wasn't drafted. Well, and they quit football after that, uh, soon after that anyway. But I had the chance to sign as a free agent. I signed with the Dallas Cowboys, and I was there. I made the team. I got released. The Seattle Seahawks were starting in 1976, 40 years ago. And they wanted, they uh, brought me up here, and they said, we think you can be our starting quarterback. I said, where do I sign? I'm in. I signed my contract, and within three weeks, they signed nine other quarterbacks. But I did get to play. That's my offensive lineman. That's the biggest offensive lineman I had laying on the ground. He was 275 pounds, and I'm going to call him out. Norm Evans. Played for the Miami Dolphins. Has two Super Bowl rings. He's laying on the ground. <gasps> anyway. I, earned, I did earn the starting spot there out of all those guys, and... Uh, I would say we had a bunch of misfits that pulled, pulled together and actually were pretty exciting. I, I think that the coaching staff knew that, oh my gosh, we're going to have to do something here. So I, uh, I have a lot of great memories. Steve Largent diving, going prone for footballs, uh, running, running down, uh, down the field. And Steve, you, you have a defensive back on Steve and Steve is... They, they would call him slow, so he's running as fast as he can go, and he'd come up, and he would never look at the ground, but he'd try to get the eyes of the defender, and he'd come up, and he'd look at him. He wouldn't wink or anything, but he'd come up, and then he would turn like this, like he was going to go this way, and he'd go, boom. And the guy would kind of be going that way, and he'd be wide open. Uh, we got to complete a lot of passes that way. He was really dangerous receiver, really good. Efren Herrera, how about that? I threw several passes to Efren Herrera on fake field goals. Peter, you weren't here. There is a whole reel of fake field goals that you're going to have to check out one of these days because uh, we did them all the time. Uh, Sherman Smith, who's on the coaching staff, uh, he coaches Beast Mode, and uh, I remember throwing a, a shovel pass to him on a, on a field goal on a Monday night game against the 
uh, San Diego Chargers running about 40, 30 or 40 yards for a touchdown. Unbelievable. Just We did some wild stuff. Great memories. Beating the Raiders. Who cared about the 49ers? We had no care for the 49ers at all. It was the Raiders. And when you beat the Raiders, I mean, it was, it was something else. But one of my most vivid memories uh, of my career in Seattle was... In 1983, we were in mid-season playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm up on the line of scrimmage. Chuck Knox is now the head coach. He's calling plays. Kurt Warner's in the backfield. It's third and four. It's just before the half. We're driving in the kingdom. We're driving down to score. It's third and four. I'm up on the line of scrimmage. I've got a play called that, think about this, okay? You're all the quarterbacks. You're up underneath the center. If, and, and I'm going to throw to Kurt Warner, but he's going to read the defense. If the linebackers are playing zone, he's going to hook it up. If the linebacker, one of those linebackers, as he comes out of the backfield, plays him man, he's going to go, and then he's going to break out. Okay, Man, breaking out. Zone, hooking up. Jack Lambert's right in front of me. Jack Lambert has no teeth. And... You know, it's just awful to look at. You can't even look at him. He's right in front of me, right? Jack Ham's over here. I snap the ball. I drop back. And these guys are just flying out of there. It's zone. What All that I had talked about in my Christian walk. You see, when I was, a, when I was uh, playing, as soon as I got here, I, I had expressed to the, the press, uh, both written and on, on uh, radio, TV, that I was a Christian. And uh, I, I believe that people then began to say, okay, let's see what that really looks like. What does a Christian really look like? And it's easy. I could put, you know, if I scored a touchdown. <laughs> if I scored a touchdown... I could pose really well. You would think, that guy is religious. He's got to be a Christian, right? We can do all these things. But no, I, I, uh, I was thinking how to do this thing right and really get after uh, Dave Craig and, and all the things that were going on. And then, of course, Joy would open up scripture for me and say, hey, check this out. There always seems to be when I want to kind of do my own thing, there always seems to be this perfect verse, this convicting verse, right? And so here's what it is, right? It would speak to the circumstances a person may find themselves. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Hey, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. What? This is in the Bible? (laughs) Don't be assessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Oh, gosh. Think of yourselves as the way Jesus Christ thought of himself. He had equal status. This is really important. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages 
of that status. When the time came, he set aside privileges of deity. He became human, identifying himself again. And he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. Pretty convicting. Pretty convicting. So you see, it was obvious that I had the poorest attitude when it came to this relationship I had with Jesus. My identity was wrapped up in my position on the team. And I was thinking, you know, what really, what's going on around here? Uh, what, what was my purpose now going to be on the team as a backup? I didn't, even get to, I didn't even get to contribute anymore. What value was I going to be on this football team? So what I want to say about this is that it's easy, it was easy to live out Christ, your Christian walk when things are going so right. I was a starting quarterback of the Seahawks, right? But when adversity comes in whatever form, for me, it would be football, it would be family, it would be, uh, you know, I don't even know what it's going to be in the future. But when adversity strikes, your belief system really comes to the forefront. And if, it's, uh, if it has a strong foundation to it, it's going to, be, it's going to last, it's going to be solid. You will pull through. But if it is if it is weak, if you were only kidding, or if you had no idea what Christianity was all about, if you didn't know that Christ was there to lend a helping hand, if you didn't know that Jesus was there to walk through this with you, uh, your life's really probably a little shaky because there's nothing to there's nothing to. Uh, 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 kind of yell out to or cry out to for help. And Joy wasn't going to, she wasn't going to have anything to do with that. Because I know Joy lives out her uh, Christian talk, right? She walks it. And so I had to try to do, I had to do the same thing. So um, anyway, I, I kind of surrendered that thought and uh, pushed aside all the deviance, all that insanity, right? All that insanity. And uh, I started to remember who I was in Christ. So, hmm, uh, although it was very difficult, I did, you know, as I set those things aside, I still didn't feel like it. But I did, uh, for the rest of my career here, support that guy. And you know what? I played 11 years in the National Football League. I threw for over 20,000 yards. And Dave Craig played 20 years in the National Football League. And he's in the ring of honor as well. And he was a heck of a QB here for a lot of years. And uh, I remember the first time Dave came over to my house crying, real crying, tears and stuff, at my table saying he couldn't get it. He couldn't. He, he didn't know what he was going to do. He, he couldn't remember plays. And uh, so I, I, I helped him out. And uh, uh, I don't get to see Dave all that much. He lives in Arizona. But, I, but that was probably more significant for me to be a backup in my career. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I, little did I know I was going to become a coach in the future. But I understood what it was after spending a year and a half as a backup I understood when I became a coach what the backup player goes through. It's hard because you have to practice and be 
as ready to play as the starter, but you just you stand there. And you have to be into the team. And you, you have to take that back seat. And that's a hard thing to do when you're, you have to have this courage and you have to drum up some violence and you have to drum up uh, some of this intensity to play that game. And then when you don't get to play, you just turn it off and you go home. And you come back again and you do it again. Hard thing to do. Um, but I did it. It was one of the most difficult things that I'd ever done in my life. And at that particular time, it wasn't thankfulness. Oh, thank you. You know, I wasn't pointing up to the sky at that particular time. But God did give me a peace and the motivation to not only just do that one game, two games, but for two, two seasons. And, uh, and it became, the feelings came later, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, it helped me to uh, continue my, my pursuit of my uh, faith and my walk with Christ. My identity in Christ uh, f- framed the choices I was making. And uh, that's a great way, to, that's a great place to live in if, people, if we can do it consistently. So I did. I backed up for a couple more years. My career, I, I uh, had an injury uh, earlier than, than when Dave took over for me uh, that kind of gave my career uh, a downhill slide uh, with an ankle. But I played with the Packers, uh, got cut from the Seahawks, played with the Packers, went on to a couple other teams, and then I started coaching. Oh, my gosh. My coaching career began with Boise State University in 1989. I was 35 years old, done with my playing career. I coached for Boise State. I coached for Utah State. I coached for the University of Minnesota. I came here and coached for the Seahawks with Dennis Erickson when they had Rick Meyer as the quarterback. Uh, I went to the Washington Reds, well, no, I went to the Detroit Lions and coached in Detroit for three years. Then I came back here and I coached with Mike Holmgren for seven years. We went to the Super Bowl and played the Steelers and lost, right? Did you all see Matt Hasselbeck play? 40 years old. I got to coach Matt when he first came here. I coached him for seven years and uh, he was tearing up after the game and he was saying he he the the um, interviewer asked while what are all the tears for and he said i i've just given everything i've got i think and i just can't explain it well matt is a believer he's a christian and uh a jesus follower and very uh probably one of the most other oriented young men i know and now he's 40 and he's doing the same thing. Consistent life, identifies himself with Christ. He doesn't have temporary insanity. He, he keeps his act together. He really does. He's, and and uh, it's very important for him to live out his Christianity in his household. Really, he's got, uh, he's got girls and a young, uh, three girls and a young boy. And uh, they get after it. He and his wife uh, and their family do well. I know that when he had tears the other night, he was just absolutely exhausted, but thanking God that he was uh, able to even 
last a whole game. And uh, he sent me a text right before the, well, during the week in the hospital with an IV in his arm. He didn't practice at all that week. He had, an, he had to go to the doctor. He had a virus, and he, he had an IV in his arm all week long uh, to get him, get him uh, in a position where he could play. Pretty heroic uh, game. But that's the kind of guy he is, and that's what I really believe Christ does in people's lives. He, he comes right alongside and gives them help where help is needed. So, all of this coaching, you're, you're going to see some pictures. And listen, Joy is the one that thought up this idea about all the pictures. This is like a love fest here uh, for Joy. She loves to see my picture. So, uh, I do apologize for all these photos. Um, but I loved coaching. I loved all aspects of coaching. I loved get, you know, strategies. I loved the competition. Uh, I loved the, the uh, daily dose of, of practice and being with guys. Uh, that's uh, Matt Castle. That's in Kansas City. Uh, and just, just teaching these guys how to be better. But you know what's the most fun? Is having influence as a coach on young men's lives. And because, I mean, we binge on football, believe me. And I do, you know, we do our jobs. But those guys also have families. That's uh, Jason Campbell, who was my quarterback uh, in Washington when I was the head coach of the Redskins. And uh, all these guys are young men. And, uh, you know, day in and day out, thank you, Joy, uh, day in and day out, uh, these guys would come to my office and want to talk about real things, real life things. So, um, two and a half years ago, after the Kansas City job, when you lose in the NFL, you get fired. What a job, right? When you lose, you get fired. We won two games in Kansas City in 2012. Were we going to get fired? Absolutely. Pack your bags, you're gone, right? So that was it for me. I never got a job. I never got a job. And I would scream out, hey, I can still coach. I still had energy to coach. But God, so far, has had a different story for me, right? I haven't landed another job. Ask the Miami Dolphins head coach, who just got fired two weeks ago. He's done, right? Loser. You get it stamped right on your forehead, you know? And that's what you walk around. You walk around to the next interview, and you go, hey, you know, I'm really a good coach. You know, you ought to really hire me, Right? And there's this big L just tattooed right on yours. And they know what that stands for. So you don't get the job. Anyway, I'm going to lose my place here. And I'm almost done. So uh, my identity gets threatened now that I don't have a job. Now that I'm not coaching, my my identity gets threatened. Who who do I identify with now? And certainly I'm... I'm older, a little more grown up, and understand that Christ is right there with me to help me in every way, right? And because it's not what I do that counts, it's really who I am and really who God says I am. That's my identity, and that's your identity as well as you develop your relationship with 
with the Lord. And um, it's, it's uh, what's so cool about God is he's big enough for all of us and intimate enough for that personal relationship for all of us. And uh, it doesn't matter, you know, you and I, uh, whatever job, how, whatever, whatever is in front of us, God's um, relationship with us is big enough to come alongside of us. And I do want to say just uh, two more things. Uh, in it, it, one of them is a verse, all right? And it's Romans 12, 1. I've said this before. I think this is a great verse, and it, it challenges me, and it challenges us. Um, and it has to do with what God wants us to do. And so here he says it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. How about that? Right? So, that's my encouragement for us tonight. God decided to identify with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's a relationship that he offers to every uh, really, to every one of us. It, it, and if you heard what I said, it's not religion. It's a relationship. And if we pay attention and we don't drift away, it, it grows. This relationship grows in strength and love. We have an identity that keeps us from forgetting who we are and committing temporary insanity, if we'll remember. And then we keep walking by faith And the power we also have through the Holy Spirit. I love it because it's it's where real life is. And, uh, you know, so it doesn't mean that everything's perfect during the day. I mean, I can't imagine joy having to put up with the likes of me for 36 years of our lives. Unbelievable. How about that? I mean, that's champion stuff. That's winner stuff right there. Um, Anyway. Thinking about that, it's pretty awesome. But we have the freedom, uh, we, have, we have real freedom in Christ in our successes and our failures as we walk through it. All the time resting in the sure knowledge that we are known and loved by the almighty, eternal God. I love that. Now, hey, that's my position. And I encourage you to check this out as you decide uh, what you, how you're living your lives and doing what you're doing in your life as well. Thank you so much for being here tonight.